AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. We are talking about a couple of issues important to livestock producers this morning. Number one, the plan to allow imports of beef from Paraguay. And number two, we'll find out if Prop 12 is having an effect on the cash hog market in the middle of the country. And for both these issues, there is potential legislation that lawmakers might push forward to override plans. Live from January's exposed midriff via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Frank Lucas, U.S. Representative from Oklahoma. Then it's hog producer Phil Borgic from Illinois. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers, our handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much. The weather's coming back in. Sure seems like it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Have you got snow in the forecast down there in the tropics? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if we do or not. We've got some sort of precipitation. I don't know yeah. if I quite know yet what to call yeah. it. Uh, okay. But we're 28 degrees and sunny. 28 and sunny. We are mm-hmm. six. Okay. Six and overcast with snow on the way this afternoon. Another well, one to three heart. inches. One to three? Yeah. Well, who ordered that? I, I didn't. Wasn't me. Hmm. I don't All think right. it was anybody that's had to go out and move snow over the last <laughs> 10 days or so. Yeah, I think yeah. they're kind of looking for a break. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Welcome well, to AgriTalk. I am yeah. Chip. That is Davis. And, uh, yeah, livestock producers, take note. We've got a couple of issues that we are going to be talking about today. Uh, Representative Frank Lucas, former chairman of the House Ag Committee, current member of the House Ag Committee, is going to – Give us his thoughts on the the idea of importing fresh chilled beef from Paraguay and what kind of risks that opens up for the U.S. cattle industry. And it's not just the cattle industry. It He explains very, very well in this conversation um, just how deep the risk runs hmm. uh, to, to agriculture and, and those ser- serving the farm community out there. And then uh, Prop 12, it, it it's fully implemented now, Davis, and, and you and I have been kind of scratching around this issue of what exact impact is it having on hog producers. And uh, we're going to talk with a hog producer from Raymond, Illinois, Phil Borgic, uh, get his take on what is going on out there. All right, let's uh, get to the news. What do you got? Well, tip the National Weather Service uh, expects heavy mountain snows for the northwest and the Rockies. Additional ice over the Columbia Basin. Bands of heavy lake effect snow continue for the Great Lakes with hazardous snow across the Midwest and Mid-Atlantic yep. by Friday. Another Arctic blast expected late this week. Chip, cold, uh, le- cold, late this cold. week is coming up fast, bro. It's yeah, Thursday. Cold temperatures are just a couple of <laughs> days away again. Not like it's. Not like it's balmy out there, but boy, you look at that extended forecast, we've got some warmer temperatures coming in. We'll get there. Yep. Well, Representative G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania reportedly wants to fast-track the Farm Bill for 2024 passage. 
In an interview with Bloomberg, the House Ag Chairman revealed he intends to advance the Farm Bill through his Ag Committee before March. He mentioned that in about three weeks, they will begin with a chairman's mark to unveil the bill with the goal of completing committee action by March. The timeline depends on securing floor time from House Speaker Mike Johnson, suggesting the bill's progress will be contingent on House leadership's support and scheduling, Chip. If everything goes as planned, we will have a conversation with Representative Thompson for you tomorrow morning during the free-for-all here on AgriTalk. Well, the Senate will begin voting on a continuing resolution to fund the federal government through early March at 1230 Eastern Time this morning. There will be several votes, including amendments that will be rejected. The short-term spending measure is expected to clear the Senate and will then be sent to the House where it faces GOP conservative opposition, but widespread support among Democrats. OPEC says it expects global oil demand to remain robust in 2024 and 2025 due to a strong global growth forecast and slowing inflation. Oil prices ticked up on that news. Now, Chip, in contrast with OPEC's forecast, the International Energy Agency, the IEA, said that growth in oil demand will cut in half in 2024 because of China's slow economic recovery and greater take-up of electric vehicles. We're getting two different messages here, buddy. Two very different messages. And to imagine that oil demand will be cut in half this year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is is awfully difficult to imagine. Yep, indeed. Well, the U.S. has launched more strikes on Yemen's Houthis overnight, citing an imminent threat to merchant vessels and U.S. Navy ships in the Red Sea area. Chip, just hours later, Pakistan launched retaliatory missiles against the militants in Iran in the latest incident to roil the wider region. The attacks have had consequences for the global economy as they've effectively closed off the Red Sea. And Chip, yeah. as an example, according to Bloomberg here, I've got a story about a livestock carrier that left Australia for the Middle East. It appears to have been diverted toward Africa. This is our uh. first indication that ships loaded with animals could face longer journeys due to that escalating conflict in the Red Sea area. Holy smokes, they got to get this figured out and get the Houthis under control there. Yep, yep. Well, Ukraine's ambassador to Turkey said negotiations are underway regarding a U.N.-brokered Black Sea grain export initiative. The last one ended last summer. And finally, Chip, China has approved additional varieties of genetically modified soybeans and corn for import and production while expanding their planting areas nationwide. Uh, the planting zones for most of the varieties were expanded from ecologically suitable areas to the entire country, Chip. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you need the crop, isn't <laughs> it, Davis? All right, thanks, Davis. <laughs> Let's bring in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Greg, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Chip. Very well, thank you. All right. Uh, we've got a cattle on feed report coming on Friday. What are you watching for? Yes, we do. And it looks like, according to the analyst estimates, that the cattle on feed number will be up again. You will remember, Chip, that we had 12 million cattle on feed in that December mm-hmm. report. And that, that that's historically high number. Now, we all expect 2024 to be a good year for cattle markets. But Mother Nature is sure throwing a curveball and obstacles such as this snow and cold. And the impact on beef supplies has pushed that beef cutout higher the past two weeks. But that hasn't done much for the live price. Now, one thing to keep in mind about these cattle that are that are, you know, being I I don't want to say backed up, but certainly they're going to have to feed them longer and and so forth. But remember that those feeder cattle that 
were bought in September were bought at the highest price. And those right, cattle are right. still on feed. So now we're feeding those cattle longer, extra feed, trying to keep them, get them to market. Uh, we're looking at losses on those cattle that could be extreme. And uh, another factor, Chip, that feed yards are looking at possibly a slower turnover rate. And that's yeah. evidenced in the in the uh, uh, marketing since last June, which were down modestly a little bit. But it, it looks like that we're feeding cattle at heavier weights. Uh, 940 pounds was what it was uh, yeah. for carcass weight last month. And that was a record. So we're looking at a good year, but we've got to get through this uh, first quarter yeah. here uh, and to get to warmer weather and better deep beef demand. Yeah. Yep, no question about it. And right now, it it almost feels like a false signal with these with, with the high number of cattle on feed. But uh, like you said, we just need to work through it. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right, yeah, the cattle on feed report coming our way uh, very soon, Friday, Friday, and uh, tomorrow. We need to get prepared for that. Okay, beef imports from Paraguay, beef imports in general. Is it a protectionist issue or is it an animal health issue? We're going to be talking with Representative Frank Lucas about just that issue next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Uh, what kind of radio program do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds, agra and talk. Welcome back to Agra Talk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us for a special conversation with Representative Frank Lucas from the 3rd District of Oklahoma. Congressman, welcome to Agra Talk. How are you today? I am uh, just fine and happy to be with you. Uh, D.C. is a crazy place, and there's lots of things going on and a tremendous amount of stuff that affects all of us back home in the real world. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, congratulations on your selection for American Farm Bureau's 2024 Distinguished Service Award. That's well-deserved. Oh, I very much appreciate my friends in the National Farm Bureau and my friends in the Oklahoma Farm Bureau for uh, nominating me for that it's you know when you work as long as i've worked on the ag committee and i'm an aggie by trade linda and i are yep. cow calf and wheat people in western oklahoma my university degrees in agricultural economics something like this where i've gone through the number of farm bills both as chairman and subcommittee chairman and worked on all these issues 
it's really nice when what you kind of consider to be extended family acknowledges that you've worked really hard on their behalf. And I'm, yeah. I'm just very appreciative because this is a world where, you know, for every compliment anymore, it seems like you get 27 criticisms. So <laughs> I really yes, do sir. appreciate the 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 comments and the award from yep. my good friends, my fellow Farm Bureau members. Yep, very cool, very cool. Okay, the beef industry has expressed a high level of concern about USDA's decision to allow the imported beef from Paraguay. Uh, it's obviously caught your attention. What is the status? Does USDA still plan to move forward with the imports of beef from Paraguay? Yes, my understanding is that the rule last month that USDA sent into effect which allows the importation of fresh Paraguayan beef is in place. I and a number of my colleagues, past two dozen of us, have written the secretary several weeks ago saying, why are you doing this? You need to stop the process. You need mm -hmm. to explain to us what you went through to make this decision. There are some concerns from members of Congress, including myself, that maybe the information that USDA used to 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 promulgate this rule might actually be a decade old. And right. we'd like to be assured that someone was on the ground in the country to determine uh, the real conditions. Now, yeah. I'm supportive of open trade, fair trade, yeah. Yeah. call it whatever you want to call it. I'm supportive of everyone around the world having access to high-quality animal protein. Mm -hmm. But in this case, you're talking about a country that has had issues with foot and mouth disease. Right. And in the United States, we have not had a case, thanks to the good work of State Departments of Agriculture and USDA, we've not had a case since 1929, almost right. a century ago. No one, uh, basically in the industry right now, has seen a case of it in the United States. But mm -hmm. the reason we've avoided that is because how hard we work. Now, some folks will say, is it really that bad? Foot and mouth, or as my grandfather's generation referred to it as hoof and mouth, yeah. because of the nature of the livestock it affected, can be transmitted not just from animal to animal, but the virus can float through the air. It is super contagious. Yes. And I've participated in exercises, or we've talked about on the national level, if you had an outbreak, how would you stop the outbreak, especially in connection with political or military issues where it might be an intentional outbreak to yeah. try and cause chaos in the United States, and basically the procedure is, if there is ever another case of foot and mouth discovered in the United States, you start a vaccination regime at ground zero and you right. vaccinate out. But just as you vaccinate out, you put down the animals that are vaccinated right. or unvaccinated because you've got to kill the host that right. potentially will spread this, and it works out. And a big part of that, Chip, is these massive quarantine plans where you literally would lock a state down at a time. Think about in the just-in-time, super-efficient food industry of the United States, especially in the oh. beef industry. <laughs> My wife sends that five, 600-pound calf off of the mama in the – we're spring calvers – in the fall to wheat pasture somewhere, western Kansas, yeah. central Oklahoma. You put another you know, 300 pounds, whatever, on yep. the calf – then he gets back on a truck and he goes to a feedlot somewhere right. in Oklahoma, Texas, or Kansas. Then after you put another three, 400 pounds on him, he winds up in a packing plant, which might be in Texas. It might be in Oklahoma. It might be in a variety of places. Right. But the point is you're moving live animals around several times 
across state lines to achieve the efficiency we have now. Think about right. what it would take to lock down the state of Oklahoma or the yeah. Texas Panhandle or Western Kansas or well, the, the state of Colorado. the disruption that it would cause. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as we learned in those exercises, there are a lot of cattle producers like my wife and myself whose bloodlines go back a long ways. On our farm, the original herd is from 1929. Ironically, the same 1929 yeah. is the last case of a foot and mouth in the United States. Yeah. When you go in to start destroying the animals to prevent the spread of disease, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how a rancher is going to react when you're telling him that maybe a 100 or 150-year line of cattle has to be it's destroyed be. immediately. Right. The psychological, right. if you think people care about their dogs and cats, yep. think about the prize beef bulls and brood cows that yep. have taken generations and for genetic uh, perfection to be achieved. So, so the point is, this would totally disrupt the economy in the United States because when you're quarantining every beef animal in, let's say, the state of Oklahoma, you're also quarantining everybody going down I-40 or I-35. Right. <laughs> you're quarantining every oil and gas truck servicing wells. You're quarantining every business. The magnitude of that's incredible. So I only repeat this to say that having gone through these models where you talk about how to fight the problem, yep. you got to keep it out of the country. You can't right. let it get here and start with. So it's a complicated issue. There's no question about that because trade issues are always a complicated issue. How is this going to wrap up? What's going to be the end result? Is there going to be beef imports from Paraguay? If the department doesn't withdraw the rule, expect a bipartisan, bicameral, that means Republican, Democrat, House, and Senate effort to overturn the rule. Now, we're not quite to that point. I prefer to give the secretary and the department heads and USDA in general a chance to respond. But this is too serious just to say you shouldn't do it and look the other way. Right. Uh, The integrity of the the cattle, uh, basically the the animal protein chain, is at stake here. Uh, We'll do what we have to do. Like the 24-plus members in the House who signed the initial letter, which I was a part of to get the Secretary's attention, we mean business. And it's not just R&D. It's not just Oklahoma or Texas or Kansas or Colorado or Nebraska. We all understand how critical this issue is. And if you apply sound science, if you determine there are no problems, if you determine the inspection process down there is sufficient, well, then we'll reassess the situation. But you've got to prove to us they're clean before you start really bringing live product in. We've imported beef from South America for decades and decades, but it's been cooked and canned. Think about corn, corn beef right. cooked and canned. There's no way a virus can survive that process. But this right. is different. Live product. Exactly. Exactly. Only got a couple of minutes left here, Congressman. I feel like we need to go on to the farm bill. You've been a member of the Ag Committee since 1994. Uh, your name was on the 2014 farm bill. What's the status of the current bill? What What do you think the timeline looks like? We need to get the appropriations process, the government funding, sorted out. And that's an issue that's, yeah. that's at a full boil this week. Because if we don't fund the federal government through the end of September, there's not enough political oxygen here to do a variety of other things, including the farm bill. So we fund the government. That then tells us how much money we have to spend on the farm bill. Okay. Chairman Thompson's ready to go with the markup. But we probably, by my estimate, we might need between 70 and 100 billion new dollars 
in order to strengthen the safety net. Think about how much costs have gone up for producers. Yeah. Think about inflation's reduction of buying power on the money that we get when we sell our livestock. We need to know how much money we've got, and then we can write a farm bill. Chairman Thompson's ready to go, but we need the overall federal funding taken care of, and we need to know what's available to us to write a new farm bill. So is it Title I that is where the greatest focus is on the funding needs? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. The key elements, to, well, conservation, research, uh, farm yeah. credit, rural development are critically important. The real core of the farm bill is raising producing food and fiber. And that's crop insurance. And that's uh, price protection insurance products. Those are things that yeah. uh, while we pay a premium for the product, the federal government helps subsidize it so we'll buy yeah. it so it enables us to stay in business so we'll have a steady supply. Uh, and the cost of everything has gone up and the real buying power has gone down. you got to put some extra money in there. you got to make some tweaks if you're going to have a safety net that works. And if you don't have a safety net that works, your banker, your landlord, and your spouse are going to lay it on you pretty heavy. Yes, yes. Representative Lucas, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for making time for us. And I suspect we'll visit again several times before we finish up the farm bill process. I hope we will. I hope we will. Thank you so much. That is Representative Frank Lucas, 3rd District of Oklahoma. We're talking Prop 12 next here on AgriTalk. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now is ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. And, Beach. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to switch things up on you just a little bit because I look at what's happening in the cattle complex, and I can't not start there. Yeah, uh, strong gains, both uh, live cattle and feeders here at uh, mid-morning. And, uh, you know, while it's strong today, uh, these price recoveries off the uh, the lows that we saw in December have been relatively uh, modest and, and yeah. just kind of gauged. And, and uh, so they're sustainable at that level. We haven't seen big blow-offs and, and those types of things. So, uh, like I said, strong gains today, but uh, overall just manageable. And, and, you know, the supply is tight. Um, we've had weather delays and all kinds of things like that. I, I think packers are, are thought to be short-bought at this point in time on near-term needs as they get back to more regular slaughter schedules, and that's all feeding into today's price strength. Gotcha. Mixed trade in lean hogs. Yeah, not a lot going on there, to be honest with you. The futures are just letting the cash index catch up, and the cash index is rising. Uh, it's up again today and, and uh, just continues its uh, rebound from what looks like a seasonal low posted uh, at the beginning of this year. And, and so, um, But the, the futures are out in front, and they don't want to get too, out, too far out in front, which is why we're seeing a little bit of price pressure in most of those contracts. All right, narrowly mixed trade in the grains. Yeah, not a lot going on, uh, to be honest with you. We saw corn post a new contract low this morning, so, uh, you know, just rinse and repeat, I guess. But yeah. uh, we have worked off of those levels and now trading just a little bit to the upside here at mid-morning. Soybeans are trading mostly to the downside along with uh, weakness in meal and soy oil. And then uh, kind of a mixed tone across the wheat markets with SRW weaker and the other two markets trading to the upside. Good stuff, Brian. Thanks. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Hey, Chip. Hey, Davis. Do you think it's possible Liv Tyler is listening today? It could be. I mean, it's entirely possible. I was oneedering that just then. (laughs) There's... There's a lot of things that we owe Neater here on, on AgriTalk, isn't there? That's what we do. That's what we do. Yes. <laughs> we owe Neater so other people don't have to. Don't have to. We get we answer those O-Neaterings. Mm-hmm. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Let's get to this conversation with Phil Borgic. He is a hog producer from Raymond, Illinois. Phil, uh, it's been too long since we've had the conversation, but it's sure good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm doing great. We um, uh, survived the cold weather and yeah. with uh, just a few minor difficulties. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. It got plenty cold for you over there in in central Illinois, didn't it? Well, I told uh, the young people around me. I said that uh, no matter what Grandpa tells you, it doesn't get any colder than that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Phil, I appreciate the, the work that you and, uh, Daryl Stitzel from Shannon, Jeff Bollamy from Carlinville, uh, the work that you guys did and sounding off on prop 12, you've been vocal about the potential consequences of prop 12 for quite some time, but why now? What triggered this op-ed in the Panagraph, uh, newspaper there in Bloomington? Well, we're hoping to get some uh, uh, resolution and some uh, some maybe some uh, laws are coming through Congress to uh, help the situation uh, for pork producers today with Prop 12, but really to set the groundwork for the future that we don't uh, continue to have these obstacles coming uh, towards our industry for with uh, for good production uh, from another state or or California changing something uh, tomorrow. Yes, we just need to build uh, a long-term program on what is makes sense for agriculture and what makes sense for our animals. Yeah, you know, and and Prop Twelve is the most visual. We we see it, we talk about it. It's in effect. It's having an effect on on markets uh, across the country right now. So we tend to focus on that. But we've got uh, question three out of Massachusetts and the. The the last I saw, Phil, there it's double digit the number of states that are considering similar rules, regs, 
propositions. And if we've got to all of a sudden feed into eight, nine, ten very specific uh, market demands, it becomes impossible to fill that demand, doesn't it? And possible to fill the demand, but uh, really it becomes impossible to plan ahead. Uh, yeah. All these uh, all these changes takes time, takes capital, takes research, uh, and and um, and if they continue to move the goalpost, how can any industry uh, move quick enough to to satisfy those you know the new laws that that you know is coming before us? Right. So the bottom line here, Phil, is if California wants an adequate supply of pork. The incentives need to come in the form of higher prices for those hogs that are farrowed in compliant barns. Are you seeing that? Is is California providing the incentive? I shouldn't say it that way. Is is the cash market providing the incentive to start producing compliant hogs that are compliant for the California market? So uh, the answer to the Question is some. Uh, okay. So this has only been in full effect since January one. Right. Uh, the my understanding is that the data being collected is the price of pork in California is higher than elsewhere. Well, there's a lot of things that's, that drives that price of that pork. Uh, so how much of that is actually getting back to the farmer level? Uh, we do have a segment of our uh, of our industry that has uh, built buildings, uh, modified yep. buildings that would meet those qualifications. And uh, the the ones I'm familiar with, we're, we're able to get some compensation to do that. Uh, but as all the, if we continue to make changes, then making programs that the, our industry can adapt for um, is, is not going to be economically viable. Right. The, um, um, the because it's not black and white. Nothing's black and white with this, and and then the uh, having the research or having the the uh, audit uh, capabilities mm -hmm. of, of making sure the right product is getting to California is is not in place today. Yeah, yeah, and you know I keep thinking about how complicated and complex this might eventually become, Phil. And I'm not saying that it can't be done. But to have a split cash market, a compliant versus a non-compliant cash market, that that just doesn't seem workable to me. What about you? Well, the basis of, of, of what we're being asked to do is is the real concern. Um, you know, my, my dad uh, okay. was part of the generation that took us from outside uh, non-environmentally controlled facilities into what we have today. That keeps them warm in the winter and cooler in the summer, yeah. and and so um, educating the the non producer on on the things that we do every day and what's good for the animal versus you know the prop twelves the question threes that come along that that don't even look at what the animal needs and as producers I mean that's the one thing that drives us every day um, is doing be what's best for the animal. So the marketing side is just the end result of of that care, and that really you know needs to be the focus is is what's good for the pig and and uh, those producers that are raising it. 
Yeah. Today, if this was the only thing that we segregated for, would be one thing. But these, we're asking our packers today um, to segregate for all kinds of different specifications. And then if we start adding multiple state uh, requirements on top of that, then that uh, dramatically increases the cost at the packer level besides the farm gate level. Yep. Yep. Have you made any uh, adjustments to to feral some California compliant pigs? Uh, we have not. Uh, we okay. are researching it. We're gathering information. We we're looking at cost. Um, at this point in time, uh, the the two packers that I sell to don't have um, the demand that they say, okay, Phil, you need to go do this. Uh, I am looking for direction from them to uh, give me guidelines of where I need to go. I mean, they're not going to tell me exactly what I need to do. Right. But is there a market? They, at this point in time, you know, they say there's not a market for that. And we can't, uh, we can't even give you guidelines what we want to see you do long term. Right. Okay. What do you want to see happen here, Phil? I I remember my civics class many many years ago, um, and and uh, in that class I I really thought it was uh, pretty cut and dry that one state can't tell another state how to run their business, and um, and so that was the, you know the basic argument that we tried to make to the Supreme Court uh, and and failed. And so what, what I want to see is, is um, uh, stability and, and some certainty. We have so much uncertainty of our industry uh, and, and then have this additional uncertainty out there. And so that, that um, if we're going to have a program, it needs to be across multiple states and, and maybe across the nation so that all pork producers know what, you know, the direction we need to go and where the investment needs to be made. Yeah. Yep. That's right. That's right. How much of a risk or a threat is Prop 12 and other uh, initiatives like Prop 12 to hog hog production in the middle of the country? So uh, uh, my understanding is California represents between uh, 15 and 18 percent of the fresh pork market, uh, uh, domestic pork market for the United States. So it's a major market. Uh, and so you know, we don't want to lose that, you know, that the industry has been going, you know, through a, a 18 months process here as what looks like it's going to be total of losing approximately $30 a head. And so we need every market we, we can, uh, get, you know, for our part pork uh, moving into the future. So it's a major threat, um, logistically and, 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 uh, product demand side. Yeah. 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 Phil, you know how I am. I'm wired to, to the markets and, and the ultimate impact that it's, that this might have on the markets. And we've seen this before. It, if it does start out as a premium product and there's a premium price attached to the compliant pork, it then becomes the expected product. And instead of having a market with a premium structure, it turns into a market with a discount structure and and I don't think any of us want to see that develop with, especially the way that this industry is, is uh, generating revenue right now. Yeah, um, and, and that's a really good point, because if we get a uh, if I could go tomorrow and, and get a contract with a, a packer for X, Y, Z that 
that makes it feasible to start uh, adapting over to Prop 12. Those contracts uh, have got you know a, a length of time that if there's a premium today, there won't be you know there'll be commodity tomorrow. Yeah. And and so we have to look at that when we make those decisions yeah. to adapt our buildings. Yep. It, for the most part, to go from present uh, even open pin gestation to Prop 12, you're going to lose about 20% of either your sow herd or need to build 20% additional buildings. Yeah. And so that is a you know 20 year it's commitment. A major ask. Major ask. Yes. Yep. No doubt about it, Phil. Thank you for sharing your perspective on this, man. We really appreciate you. All right, everybody have a great day. You bet. Phil Borjak, hog producer over in Raymond, Illinois. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up this morning's AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Oh. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. <laughs> Your pal, Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory. Yep. Uh, let's let's start with uh, Representative Frank Lucas. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Glad you're listening. Uh, big show today, Chip. Yeah. Lots of important things discussed there. Right. Um, you and I. You know what? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna roll you into this. I will say for myself. Dang, it's been frustrating watching this appropriations bill, the continuing resolution, the government. Is, uh, there's no funding for the government. What are we going to do? It's irritating. It's annoying. It's frustrating. Nothing seems to be happening. Trouble is we need something to happen really bad, buddy. Yeah. Representative Lucas was talking about we need these appropriations first so we can figure out what we have to spend, what we have to allocate, allocate in this in this farm bill here. Dude, right. um, so we do have to stay on top of it, and this is why. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's no question about the the fact that um, something needs to be accomplished, and it needs to be done sooner rather than later. And I'm not just, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, just pass these appropriation bills and let's move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be done. It, it needs to be done with full consideration of some of the spending cuts that that uh, uh, some in the GOP are looking for. And if you're gonna if you're gonna consider those spending cuts, 
You've also got to look at some of the requests uh, for increased spending uh, it, that that are coming from maybe the, the 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 moderates in the GOP and the Democrats or the left in in on the Democrat side. You got to look at it all. You got to find mm-hmm. a middle ground, and you got to find a way to move forward. Um, and I I didn't hear a whole lot of uh, optimism from Representative Lucas that 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 that's going to happen, mm-hmm. Davis. So yeah. the alternative is you shut down. So for how long, and what services? And we've gone through shutdowns before. We know that we can survive it. We also know that the that that the uh, uh, resulting benefits are often very disappointing to those that were (laughs) most for shutting the government down. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, So with that in mind, let's negotiate. Let's let's find some middle ground and move forward. Yeah, I, it, Davis. This thing just—the whole thing—makes me feel like we're going to end up with Speaker Johnson right in the same place that Speaker McCarthy was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me feel like there's going to be a vacate, a motion to vacate the the speakership, and uh, I don't know if it's going to pass. The indications are that it would be much more difficult to push through than it was with Speaker McCarthy because what the heck? You know, when you're making history, let's go ahead and make history. Mm-hmm. Let's vacate him. But to do it again yeah, uh, would would seem to be piling on. So well, I don't even know if there's going to be a, a the motion to vacate. Well, dude, that's how we got here is dinking around with yeah. first choosing a speaker and then ousting a speaker and then choosing a new speaker. Now we're going to... We're going to fart around with, with getting rid of another one and then finding a different one. And then, oh, well, then everything will be okay. We won't have any more disagreements. Life will be perfect, and we can appropriate appropriately. Is this what yeah. we're to believe? See, when you've got when you've got um, segments or mm-hmm. groups within a party that use the word never, ah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. when it becomes an issue. I will never support that guy for the speaker. I will never support an appropriations bill that does not include X percent of spending cuts. I will never. I will never. When you start hearing those I will never people, mm-hmm. the you, you you might as well just go on to somebody else that is serious about negotiating and, mm-hmm. and finding that middle ground. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, I am not – please don't think I'm diminishing – what they what what those that are looking for the spending cuts are 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 hoping for for the results that they are hoping for i hope we can figure out a way to cut spending mm-hmm. i hope we can figure out a way to balance this budget i hope we can figure out a way to eventually somehow some way some day take a bite out of the debt but it it seems like a a really tough path to find right now, Davis. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of what Phil Borgic was talking about, a uh, hog farmer from Illinois, moving the goalposts, man, just moving yeah. the goalposts. And it makes it yeah. so difficult to get anything done, whether it's progress on appropriations bills or if it's a hog farmer trying to figure out, you know, ah, 
what do I need, even need to do to comply? You know what yeah, I mean? And and the, the the area that we did not get to with Phil, that uh, yeah, I was kind of hesitant to to go there, I guess. But mm-hmm. we, we cannot forget that the whole Prop Twelve issue was started by the anti-animal agriculture activists. Mm-hmm. It's all about ending hog production. It's not about making that sow comfortable with 24 square foot. Right. That's not what they want. They would much rather see that hog dead and out of production mm-hmm. because they just want to end animal agriculture. And uh, uh, so... <laughs> taking taking the approach that there's interstate commer- commerce issues that need to be considered here, I think uh-huh. it's very prudent, but we're not dealing with prudent people. Took us all the way back to his uh, high school civics class. Yeah. You know, if, if only the world were like the world expressed in our high school civics classes, wouldn't it be great? Yes. It would be simpler, that is for sure. Mm-hmm. There would be a whole lot fewer shades of gray. There you go. Wouldn't there? Yep. Yep. Holy smokes. Good stuff, Davis. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Craig Van Dyke from from Co-Alliance Cooperative. And tomorrow morning, it's Friday already, buddy. We got the free-for-all coming your way right here on Agritalk. Nothing I need and nothing that I don't want.